Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, hi. I hope everybody's uh, really doing good today. We're in the midst of summer, and it's so tough to figure out how we're going to keep people motivated, how we're going to stay happy when it's hot summer days and you can't be outside. Um, Remember, please, that if you do take someone out in a car, make sure you have a towel down because the seats, if they are leather or vinyl, can get hot as blue blazes in 80 to 90 and 100 degree heat that we're getting all across the country. So uh, please remember to think about things like that. Um, I think it's a good time really to bring up a lot of things about summertime that we can have problems with. Um, what if we have air conditioning go out? What if um, they have doctor appointments? What if they are not hydrated enough? We can't drink enough water in the summertime. It is so dry. It is so um, difficult to stay on top of hydration. We can get kind of down and out and and lonesome and sad and have all kinds of things that happen when we are not able to get out and do things because it's just too hot. I heard my husband say the other day that he would prefer it to be too hot than too cold. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that. I I am not the biggest fan of summer because summer just has these, you know, incredibly hot days that wilt your flowers and burn your skin and, you know, cause a lot of problems that we ordinarily wouldn't think about. Speaking of things we wouldn't think about, when we love somebody that has some type of dementia disease, we have an emotional and a physical bond with them. And when they hurt, we hurt. There are a zillion ways that we can be emotionally and physically affected by caregiving. Many of us are empaths. So we feel someone's hurt. We feel someone's angst. We're much more sensitive to just about everything. So we can get our feelings hurt easier. We can become much too invested in things we ought to just leave alone. We can get on the staff at the nursing home because things aren't going the way they should, not realizing the big picture that your loved one is cared for and has somebody there that is taking care of them. We ourselves can gain weight or lose weight. That happens to me on a daily basis. 
I'm watching it really closely because you know how important it has been to me to get in good shape and everything. And, um, you know, one of my emotional things is I love ice cream. I love, love, love ice cream. And guess what? The summertime is when we eat ice cream the most. So that gaining weight and losing weight is my personal nightmare at the moment. Other things that are emotional and physical make us tired and lethargic, sad, depressed, apathetic. We just want to go home and throw ourselves on a bed and take a nap for a little while. I think, you know, sometimes we just feel kind of this emptiness of of the loss that we are feeling and the lamenting the loss of a good friend, a good parent, a good emotional savior for us. And that is hard. It's hard to take. It does make us emotional. It makes us irritable. It makes us, you know, not want to get back in the game. That That's really hard. And when that happens, we can get a certain amount of depression. If you feel that way, reach out to somebody. Get some help. Find some ways to make yourself feel better. Go have lunch with a friend. Go have a glass of wine at happy hour. Go to your favorite restaurant. Go play putt-putt. Do something. Don't get mired down in the caregiving situation to the point where you can't function. Depression helps no one. And feeling stressed and worried about the future isn't going to make it come any faster. It isn't going to make it come any slower. It's going to be what it is. So just make a decision that you're going to do everything you can to self-care, to to put in times for stress relievers, for joy and for laughter and for movies. The new Top Gun movie is out. Go see it. Do something. Being more quiet and, and unsocial, all that does is shut you off from the world, isolate you, isolate your person, and that is not going to help anybody. And all that does is lead you to a place where you're not sleeping well, you're tired, you're yawning in the middle of your podcast. (laughs) This is draining. These things are draining. I find it myself. I I spend an enormous amount of time at night. My self-conscious, my subconscious is thinking about different clients I have and different different difficult situations I'm trying to work through. And I joked to Brian that I yawned a couple times in my podcast last week. And it was really difficult for me to kind of stay on top of it when I'm just talking off the top of my head to all of you. You know, things like that can can cause your blood pressure to go up. It can cause anxiety attacks. You don't want that. You don't want that emotional roller coaster that feels like it's completely out of control. You have no way to stop it. Um, You know, I certainly, as I'm trying to guide my clients, 
I feel like sometimes they get so mired down that when we're in a time crunch, we can't get things done. We can't get from A to B. And I feel like sometimes I give people anxiety because I'm trying to control the emotional roller coaster. I'm trying to keep them from getting frustrated and exhausted. But the fact of the matter is I might be adding more to it because I'm trying to say you have to do this, this, and this and get them done in a certain amount of days. And if you don't, um, we're going to have more problems than we can shake a stick at. You've got to get this stuff done. And I forget sometimes how exhausted caregivers are, how emotionally drained they are, and the physical pain that they feel, that that place in their stomach where they just feel horrible. Um, they're tired. They're exhausted. They've got back pain. Their heart is breaking. They leave me messages and they cry. This is the world of caregiving. And if we are emotionally empathic people, we deal with this a lot. Some people grow from the experience. Sometimes their entire family grows from the experience. Other people feel like they can't plan anything. They can't plan a vacation. They can't go out to lunch with a friend. They can't do anything. They don't have time to be emotional or physical. They spend all night dealing with nightmares and delusions and the things that your people are reacting to. You can't let them sleep alone, so you spend half the night with one eye open and tossing and turning, trying to figure out how you're going to make things better for them. It takes an enormous amount of physicality to exert that much energy. It's hard to watch somebody become the child when they were the parent. Sometimes we feel like we're maternal or paternal towards our own mom or dad when we're trying to deal with this disease process. And it breaks down our spirit. It breaks down our sense of humor. We just feel like we look old and tired and, and we're just struggling, right? So when we get things like this, we have to, again, deal with the grieving process or you can't have closure. If you can't deal with the grieving process, you may not cry and the cry turns into anger. When you are emotional, it, it, it limits your good quality of life. Sometimes we wish that the person would just pass on. We wish that they would just have a talk with God and let this all be over with. That's where our emotions put us. That's where we, where we end up going sometimes. We don't mean to, but it's hard to keep a stiff upper lip and keep yourself rejuvenated and keep yourself moving forward. We have to figure out a way to continue 
our communication with other people, to find stress relievers, to find day programs, to read our person well. There's so many facets that we have to work with just to cope through this journey. And the biggest reality of that is that so many families recognize this problem when it's having to do with family events. Certain traditions you've always had. This is summertime. It's a big, big time for it. First, we have Mother's Day in May. Then we have Memorial Day, which everybody thinks is the unofficial start of summer. Then we've got Father's Day. Then we've got the 4th of July. We've got anniversaries. We've got birthdays. Yada, yada, yada. It goes on and on and on and on. Right? Emotional get-togethers. Things that can be good. Things that can be tiresome things that could be testing our energy. Saying, we've always done it this way, doesn't work anymore. You have to figure out ways to balance everything, to have alternative planning. It all helps if you can do that. You know, a lot of times, relatives are not up to date on what's going on. So sending weekly or monthly updates, good idea. I like that. Do it. Keep everybody informed. Make it their reality as well as yours. That way they can't claim later that they didn't know or didn't understand. If you have any out-of-towners, don't have them staying at the house this time with whoever it is that has the dementia. Let them know that the person's changed a little bit. They need to prepare for maybe some hard decisions that have to be made. That's a good way to prepare people who are in denial. Say, hey, we've got some things we have to talk over. You know, I mean, this is, this is difficult. You don't want the person or yourselves feeling embarrassed by the disease process, but we have to bring things up so that people who are living in the land of denial get their game together and start working with you actively and helping you to move forward. We're going to take a short break, listen to a word from our sponsor, and I'll tell you how we're going to move forward. Carillon at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community full of grandeur and elegance is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef prepared meals, transportation services and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at bellevuestation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. All right.
right. So I'm talking about emotional encounters, uh, emotions in general, how we can get kind of mired down in the minutia of the day-to-day where our stomach feels terrible, where we're not sleeping well, ways that we can express our emotions and get them out to other people that are positive for us and trying to get that person that's in denial, um, that naysayer that there's a problem going on, especially at holidays or, or get-togethers, picnics and stuff like that, put the person who's been giving you the most trouble with being a naysayer and know the person's fine and you're just trying to take their money and blah, 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 and have them take care of your person for a couple of hours. That'll clear things up really quickly. (laughs) Yeah, the minute they start yelling in a restaurant or looking for you, asking repetitive questions, um, things like that, they'll get over all the crap they've been giving you in a New York minute. I mean, it only takes somebody screaming or banging on a table for their person that's sitting with them to feel total embarrassment. We don't like it when people tell us they know everything, they know how to do everything, and we just want to scream at them, you don't know, you aren't here. There's no fixing this. There's no way that we can make this go away. You need the hard realization that if if we could just be as blissfully happy as the person with the dementia is, or if we could figure out ways to make our relationship with them better and not resent us being a caregiver and all that kind of stuff... Emotion ignites grief, and the grief is difficult to identify. Sometimes it comes out as anger. Sometimes it comes down out as shame. Sometimes it's a, oh, my God, we've got to do something about this. Sometimes we're trying to figure out how to make new life choices. Everything is bombarding us. We're like, oh, my gosh. When does this roller coaster get off? How do we help people to recognize how the how things are changing? When you go to birthday parties and things like that and you take a person with you that has Alzheimer's, it doesn't take very long before Somebody's going to get frustrated with that person. Somebody's going to become afraid of that person because they don't understand what's happening. They don't know how to cope emotionally. You know, we can tell them, have patience, have hope, have a sense of humor. But if they don't figure it out on their own, if they don't figure out those coping mechanisms on their own, they're going to have a really, really hard time. We what what other people don't realize is that when we leave the house for a few hours, we might come back and that person is scared, they're depressed, they're 
They're clinging to you. They ask you not to leave them alone. And you're like, when did that happen? Whoa, new emotional bell ringer, right? Sometimes we get emotional when it takes like four hours to get them out of the house. They have to try on 15 pairs of sweatpants and shirts. And they're not satisfied even when they get done. We want to scream. Emotions, emotions, emotions. Ah! Sometimes we see people do the same thing over and over, like loading and unloading the dishwasher. They load it. They turn it on. They open it while it's running. The water goes everywhere. Oh, it's hot. They nearly burn themselves. We are losing our togetherness. And you can't tell them something while they're doing something else. They can't concentrate on it. It won't work. You want to talk about emotional. That's frustration on a huge level. And when things like that happen, sometimes they just want to sit down. And we think they're being apathetic, but maybe they're just content doing nothing. Maybe they're content doing nothing more than we actually realize. I recommend to people constantly that they utilize daycare systems, adult daycare systems. People that can work with them that know what they're doing. That will give them a sense of purpose. That will give them something to do. And you have to give them a ton of information. That's the biggest stress. That's the biggest emotional piece you're going to have is telling them what makes that person sociable and what makes them non-sociable. You know, sometimes people wait too long to get them into daycare programs. And if you wait too long, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes we feel like, and I hear this, people say, They hate the disease. They hate working with the person because they got asked to help. Or somebody's mad at you because you're stepping in and you're doing things better. You want to make good decisions. You don't want to think that you're too busy. You don't want to not put that time back in for them. But remember, you have to assess your own needs. You have to listen to your own heart. Listen to your own gut that is hurting. You all express to me on a regular basis that you're concerned you're going to endanger your own health. That the responsibility becomes too much to handle most days now and you're keeping your person at home longer than you should and it's impacting your health. Most caregivers are in their 80s. And they don't need that excessive stress. They don't need those physical demands put on their health because it puts them 
in jeopardy. And I would say 99% of caregivers never want to admit that they need help. They themselves, that they need something. I talked last week in depth about that promise that they'll never put in, put somebody in a nursing home. Please, people, don't ever, ever, ever promise someone that. Because that focus has to be on that person's safety and if you are a worn-out caregiver, you can't adequately protect that person and keep themselves when they're wholly dependent on you. You need to look at your own needs from day one on this journey and find that balance between your quality of life and the safety for both you and the person you're caring for. If you can do that, you can go all the way. You can go the whole duration. I always ask when I'm talking to somebody, what is your caregiver health situation? It's, it's crazy personal to people. Some people do it a lot longer than other people. It's really based on their personal time, their own emotional health and well-being, their own physical strengths their patient's reserve, whatever pre-existing relationship where they, they have with that person. You know, if I've learned one thing in my 20 years of working with people with Alzheimer's, um, I don't assume that couples that have been married for 60 years were still happy together. <laughs> A lot of times they're not. They've fallen out of love and now they're resentful and they don't want to they don't want to do the things that it takes to help their person. And quite frankly, once that person becomes pretty far gone, I sit in no judgment of that. Like some people stay together for their kids, some people stay together for their finances, some people stay together because it's what they know. I don't know what makes people stay together when they are not in love anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I am not a marriage counselor. But I will tell you to get help, get financial, legal aid, get physical help, get spiritual help. Don't deal with a crisis on your own. When I talked about the religious or spiritual health, the spiritual piece of all this is huge. Huge. I mean, we are negotiating with God left and right. You know, people question their faith when somebody they love is sick with Alzheimer's. And that spiritual piece is huge in the grief process itself. We think to ourselves, oh, this is just not fair. This is not fair. Why did this happen to me? I've done good things all my life. It's part of life. It's just part of life. You don't have to like it. It just happens. We don't have a choice in the hand we get dealt in life, but we have a choice on how we play that hand. One of the ways you can play that hand is to find somebody who will listen to you. Listen to you as a caregiver. Listen to you as a person with the disease. 
not to fix it unless they ask for it. That's why a lot of caregivers don't like to talk to family members and people with the disease don't like to talk to family members because they don't want you to tell them what to do. They don't want you to put them in a nursing home. They may say, I, I will know when I want to do that. I just want you to listen. I just want to be heard. Every time you talk to a family member, you're going to hear something new. Every time. How they see it as a challenge. How they see it as a burden or not a burden. Do they see it as an honor to care for somebody? Do they think it's a total pain in the ass? Are they flexible? Are they patient? Are they impatient? Are they rude? Are they mean? How are they, how are they managing? A lot of people that do better get involved in support groups and educational processes and programs. They get a, a toolbox full of tools and resources and skills that they can pull together to make positive choices. I want you to do the same thing. Don't run and hide. Do not run and hide. Choose to celebrate what makes that person still special. Where's that sparkle in their eye that makes you love them and not be embarrassed by them? How you cope with all this is your own choice. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can make that decision for you. I always wonder if caregivers are surprised when they realize that they can do it, that they can cope. I've heard people say, I don't even think about it. I just do what I need to do. Sometimes I, I had somebody say to me to, the other day, sometimes I wonder how did I get through all of this? Well, you get through it because you didn't have a choice. Not doing it didn't seem like an option. You just wanted to do what you could do to help somebody and you're doing the best you can to get that done. It's, it's a choice. Sometimes it's a loving choice. Sometimes it's a begrudging choice. But it's your choice to make. But I ask you this. If you're not feeling it, don't be part of the game. Don't be the problem and not the solution. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one -on -one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. 
we are passionate that people with dementias such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. All right. So before we went to break, I said, make a decision to be part of the solution, not the problem. Okay? If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of somebody else. If you don't know that person, you don't know their history, you can't possibly provide person-centered care. We have put this stuff to the test again and again and again for caregivers. Uh, People with dementias that have memory loss. And the results are always the same. You have to put on the oxygen mask before you give it to someone else. You have to put your own needs first Sometimes, if you want to be effective, if you want to stay healthy, if you want to continue to be an advocate for the person you love. So, what can you do? How can you take care of your own needs? Are you just taking care of the basics, just a little bit here and there? Are you asking people to help, getting sitters to to plug in some dates on calendars? Are you going to any Alzheimer's Association support groups or any of mine? Are you making any time for rest and relaxation? Little R&R does you a ton of good. Again, I had a client who told me that when she goes out of town, she takes her husband with her. I'm like, that is not R&R. That is actually more stress. That is more trouble. So think about taking a a trip with a friend just to a beach. You know, go to Mexico or something. You can go to Mexico for pretty cheap usually uh, just for a couple of days. Make sure you're eating at your favorite restaurants. Exercise. You know I like body groove. You all heard me talk to Misty a couple years ago or a year ago, I guess. Um, And... I love Body Groove. I do Body Groove because it gives me 20 minutes of cardio where I'm not thinking about any of my clients. I'm not thinking about any of my own caregiving issues. Uh, I'm just letting things go. You know, somebody asked me the other day if I was a caregiver um, because uh, my family lives out of town. And I actually am a caregiver for all my clients. I spend hours on end helping my caregivers figure out what they need to do next and giving them all the steps. So I feel like I'm a caregiver for about 250 different families. And I think I am. And so exercise helps me. My favorite restaurant helps me. <laughs> I take everything just one day at a time. I try to enlighten myself on new techniques to utilize. I try to enlighten my clients and my caregiver nation with any previous training information I can give to them. 
any awareness from previous trainings I can give somebody that can help them through their day through some tough spot is great. We we need counseling sometimes. Sometimes we need medication. But with our people with Alzheimer's, we're better off trying to just use good com- communication skills. And if we can do that, then we can have a better balanced life. We can maintain it a little bit. Let things go that we don't need to deal with and just work on necessary things in life that mean something. We don't have to fix everything, you guys. We don't have to remember everything. We don't have to get hypersensitive because somebody we love has Alzheimer's and they're biologically related to us and, oh, no, are we next? Let things go. Let them go. Do something different. Sell that big house you're living in and move into a smaller apartment or a tiny house or something. There's a lot of things you can do. A lot of things you can do. You can go for a drive in the mountains or by the ocean or whatever you need to do. Go out and mow your own lawn. I am totally into gardening. My husband will tell you I am out talking and doing my walkabout with my garden probably six, seven times a day. I have named all my plants after my friends. And I just get a huge kick out of measuring plants and how much they've grown in the last five days and things like that. I love things like that. I might take a glass of wine out with me while I'm while I'm talking to them. I don't care. I I love that. The gardening is just such a great release for me. Find that thing. Is it shooting pool? Is it going skiing? Is it going to the beach, what is it? What makes you happy? Can you read about it? Can you write about it? You know, are you talking openly with your friends and family about what feelings you are having and what needs you need filled? We're always worrying about the person with the dementia, but the truth of the matter is we have unmet needs as well. So figure that out. Maybe maybe we think that pi- hiring a part-time person to come and work with that person is filling their needs when it's actually filling ours. Maybe we need a housekeeper to come and clean for us so we don't have to do it. These are all good things. Really good. Ask your spouse if you are a caregiver of a parent to help you with preparing meals. So you don't have to a couple of days a week. Some of the things that we have problems with is certain practices that we do throughout the day that we think have to be set in stone. We have to do the same thing the same way all the time. Everybody's perfect, perfect, perfect. No, we don't have to. No. If you need to, if it's your husband or something, take... Take him to your daughter or your son's house one day a week and have your own rest. Let him spend the night. Take him to a weekly respite program where they can engage with other people with the same disease they have and they can do meaningful activities and enjoy it. That If it, if it happens at a care community with a memory unit like um, Spring Ridge Park, I talk about them all the time with Stacy Naslin. That's a good way to acclimate them to a place 
where they can now learn learn the staff, they can learn the activity directors, they can go in, on outings and do things that they are enjoying. And uh, then if you need to leave them for a respite time or you need to, um, you know, maybe move them into that community at some point in time, they already have some familiarity with it and enjoy the people that are there. That's a beautiful thing. Don't wait too long on stuff like that. Don't wait too long. If you can, go volunteer in a community doing something else for somebody else that's completely different than caregiving for your person with memory loss and cognitive loss. And in between that person's needs, allow yourself to go take a nap, take a rest, put on their favorite show and disappear for a while. Yeah. What are you doing to pace your workload? What are you doing to try to live your life fully? Are you even trying? Are you keeping up with regular activities? Are you going for a bike ride? Are you going for a walk? Have you become a workaholic so that you can put it all away and, and let your work become whatever you want it to be? your getaway, your coping mechanism, whatever it is, just get away for a couple of hours. You don't have to take your person with you everywhere you go. And when you don't do that, don't feel sad and guilty. You don't need to do that. You need to take some time for yourself. Spend time with family and friends. I hear some of you saying, yeah, I don't have any money. Stuff is so expensive. I can't do that. I have no income. I have no insurance. How am I going to do that? Well, taking a nap is free. Taking a walk around your neighborhood is free. Try and get some chores done. See if you can get a sister or a brother to take your person, you know, for a bike ride or for a walk or for lunch or just for the day over at their house or something like that. You have to find that weekly time for yourselves. You need to get them out and moving to a certain degree, but find that time in the morning when you can stop at Starbucks. If you have to, find that time when you can sit down and have a good cry and then move on, get back in the game. That's important too. If you need to... Go take that shower, put on your makeup, do your hair, throw on a dress. I do that all the time. So I'm ready for an emergency. I'm ready to walk out the door because the people that I care for, my caregiver nation, they call me from the minute my day starts at 8 a.m., my phone's ringing. I'm getting emails. So I have to get up a little extra early. I get a big kick out of cleaning my kitchen after dinner and then making coffee for the morning so it's it's there already ready when I wake up in the morning. Stupid little thing, but it makes my day. I absolutely love it. And now I've been telling Google to play some fun, funky music for me at 6.30 in the morning. So when I get up, I not only smell my coffee, but I hear some fun music playing. I love stuff like that. It makes me crazy happy. 
I pop in my allergy medicine and take my cup of coffee and go visit all my plants. That's what I do. I take care of my emotional well-being that way. You know, I, I do feel for all of you. I do. But like I said, maybe you think it's not the same, but I am in people's houses multiple times sometimes. I am uh, talking to their family members who are struggling day in and day out. I feel like I'm the caregiver for Caregiver Nation. I do. That's how I feel sometimes. I love my work. I love my clients. I love my residents. I love caring for all of you. But I'm tired at the end of the day. I'm happy with what I do. I've developed my own coping mechanisms. Yes, I become attached to all of you. I do everything I can to say to myself, I tried to make a difference today in that person's life. I sometimes get emotional attachments, and when somebody dies, I feel it. I sing at a lot of my people's funerals, but it's cathartic for me. It is. Sometimes I'm drained. Sometimes I want to not participate. Sometimes I lose patience. Sometimes I give hugs. I try super hard not to absorb all the emotions of all this. And if I sit too long with my hurt, my body aches. So I try to figure out how I'm going to cope with it and be more effective for all of you. And even doing this podcast when I'm just sitting here talking for an hour uh, makes me happy. It, it gives me a chance to do something for all of you because I'm in, emotionally involved with all of you because you care for these people and I care for you. That's how it works. That's how it works. And when all else fails... I open a cold beer on a 100-degree day and hopefully watch my Colorado Avalanche uh, win the Stanley Cup because that's another thing that I do as a stress buster. I love watching hockey. I love watching baseball. I love watching football. I like things like that. I like cooking. I like drinking wine. I like ice cream. Ice cream and I are best friends. Find your happy place. Find that place where you can deal with the emotions of the day-to-day problems and find your way through the maze. You can do it, my friends. Like I said, I'm a caregiver for all of you in my caregiver nation. And I love you. And I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.